Hey there, I'm Sasha. I'm a doctor, I'm a mom, and I'm a founder. I believe that women are overwhelmed and exhausted. So I founded a company called Brave Enough. Brave Enough helps thousands of women find clarity, set boundaries, and gain control of their lives. So welcome, sit back, and let's get into the good stuff. In season two, episode 52, the final episode of season two, Sasha dives into the topic of self-care. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. I am so glad you're here. This is the 52nd episode of the second season, meaning this is now the second year, the end of the second year that I have been doing the Brave Enough podcast. And I keep doing it because I get positive feedback from you all. And I love hearing from you. So if you are enjoying the show and you want me to keep doing it, please give me a rating on iTunes. Please leave a comment, uh, post on social media, tell your friends about it so that I have the energy to keep going. And, um, I know the direction that you guys want me to keep taking this show. I love coming on and just giving you a little bit of Sasha wisdom every week and just talking about what I'm kind of learning and what I'm going through and things that are happening in my life that are probably similar to what are happening in your lives. So I want to encourage you if you have not heard of the new brave enough membership group that I just launched in late September of 2020 called The Table. And I wanted to formulate some type of support group after the Brave Enough conferences, because after each conference, I always hear that women want to stay connected. They want to feel engaged, but they lose the momentum when they go back to their home and their work life. And so I created this year, something called the table. And I had this vision of wanting women to feel included and that they can pull up a chair at the table and there's welcome there. In fact, there's an open spot for you at my table. (laughs) And I wanted it to be a place off social media, but somewhere where we can gather and grow together. So it's an amazing community and you can join for two weeks and check it out and see if it's something you want to join monthly. Go to becomebraveenough.com backslash the table. Sign up. It's free. You can check it out. We have amazing content every week. We have networking events. We have style coaching. How fun is that? We have leadership coaching. We have pearls. We have all these fun things that are in this amazing group. And you're going to find women that are like you and that you can feel supported. And if you're feeling alone and isolated in 2020, you know, my hope is that you'll check out the table because there's room for you there. So go to becomebraveenough.com backslash the table and join today. I would love to meet you. Okay. So today I am going to be talking about something that I feel really passionate about. I talk about a lot, but I think no time more than ever in this year, do we need to really focus on our own health and well-being? And one element of that, or what we see all the time on social media, and we read articles, it's in magazines, people are talking about it, is this whole concept of self-care and what is self-care. And I think that self-care gets a really negative connotation a lot of times because people think that it's like selfish and that it's, you know, going to yoga or like, you know, 
having a bubble bath, but that's really not what self-care is. So I want to talk about it today because I want to dispel some myths and I want to reach out to you who are listening if you're overwhelmed and empty because self-care is so important and it's something that you have to be intentional about. And you have to think about and work into your life. It's, I think often if you're like me, I'm like, well, I'm going to get all this work done and then I'm going to relax. And what happens? There's always work to do. Like at any given time, relaxing in your house or taking a thought break, a 15 minute, you know, brain break at your job is really hard because there's always work to do. Like just taking 15 minutes at your, at your workspace to sit in front of a window with the sun shining in and drink a cup of coffee and just be mindful. That's asking a lot of the everyday working person in America and coming home and and giving yourself 30 minutes to unplug somewhere quiet in your home. That's asking a lot of you because the truth is there's always work to be done. So how do we create that? How do we be intentional? Well, the first thing is I want to make sure that you understand, like I said, self-care just isn't physical. There are four elements to your self-care. The first one you should really think about is your physical well-being. Okay. Are you sleeping, eating, how you move through your body? The second is your emotional well-being. Are you supported? Do you feel supported? Do you feel connected? The the third is your spiritual self-care. Are you connecting with a higher power? Um, For me, that's Christ. I'm a very strong Christian and I have a very strong relationship with Jesus Christ. But are you connecting with your spiritual side? Because we are spiritual beings. Whether you believe or not, you really are. And the fourth and probably most important, because this is what drives the decisions we make about self-care, is your mental. So your mental self-care. And I think this is one where most of us in 2020 are really struggling um, because there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of discord in our world. And so finding a space where you can have mental clarity and connection and peace is a challenge. So if you reframe how you take care of yourself into those four elements, you'll probably be a little more aware of what's working and what's not for you. So the next thing I want to talk about is how to check your own vitals. And this is important because so many times I think we're restless or we're discontent or we're empty or we're overwhelmed, but we actually really don't know how to check our own vitals. So this is imperative. I teach a class called the master class and I lead high functioning women through a 12 week curriculum to figure out their work life. And one of the things that I make them do every week is spend time with themselves. And it is very uncomfortable, but essentially what I'm making them do is check their own vitals. If you are in a constant busy stimulated environment where you're being sourced constantly for information, you're being asked a million questions, the television is on, you're on your phone, your kids are asking for help, you're answering emails, there is no space for you to check your vitals in that in that environment. Checking your own vitals, your own wellness vitals in those four elements of spiritual, physical, mental, emotional requires you to withdraw. Intentionally withdraw on a routine basis and go, okay, how am I doing in this area? 
why am I so tired? Oh, because I haven't slept in five days. So I need to figure that out. I need to figure out how I'm going to sleep. And and you know what? Here's the thing. You have to believe that you are in control of your life and your schedule or else you will never be well. If you have the limiting belief that you're not in control of your life and your schedule, you will never have wellness and well-being because you will be at the whim of every email and every ask and every interruption for the rest of your life. So if you don't actually believe that you're in control of your own schedule and that you choose your, how you spend your time, you won't ever move to a place of wellness. And that's critical because most of us feel like we aren't in control. We just do whatever's asked of us. We're constantly running behind because we have a million tasks that have been loaded on us by other people, our family, our workspaces. And so if you don't believe you're in control, you will never be well. I mean, that's just the bottom line. You will constantly live in a state of overwhelm. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live like that. I mean, that's a very exhausting place to live. So in order to check your own vitals, you have to spend time alone. I tend to look at it as a two hour module a week. I need about for myself, everyone's different for, but for me, I need about two hours of alone time a week. Now I put, I used to think like, oh, I didn't get my 15 to 30 minutes a day by myself today. I'm failing. So what I've done is I've moved it to a week like module. (laughs) So I know for Sasha to be well, I need about two hours of unplugging a week. And that's not a lot. That's really not a lot. But when I ask women to carve out two hours in their week for themselves, they go, they look at me like I am like asking for a million dollars because we're so used to not spending time by ourselves and not therefore checking our own vitals. So sometimes that's in a 30 minute block on a Wednesday for me, and then an hour and a half on the weekend. Sometimes that's 30 minutes, four times a week, whatever it is, I plan that on Sunday. So on Sundays I look down and I go, where's my me time? I call this my white space. You know, I've done podcasts on this on time management. So you've got to take your own vitals and to do your, take your own vitals you have to find space to find time alone. So what is self-care? Well, it's not bubble baths. Um, now is a bubble bath awesome? Yeah. Do you, should you take them? Sure. If they relax you, absolutely. But self-care is really making sure that you are moving in the right direction of your health in those four elements. It doesn't mean that you're healthy, but it means you're moving in the right direction. Okay. So for example, you can, I'm just going to use physical wellness as a, a, an example here. Say you have a person who is 20 pounds, needs to lose 20 pounds to be healthy. Okay. To get to a healthy weight for them. And maybe they have some high cholesterol and maybe they have some, um, high blood pressure. Maybe they have some insulin resistance. They're pre-diabetic, whatever. They need to lose 20 or 30 pounds. Will you take a person and you start them on that person? They are exercising. They are eating healthy. They haven't lost any weight yet, but they are moving the right direction. That person is a well person because they are moving the right direction in the, the state of their physical health. Now you take that same person and the same weight and they're lethargic. They're sitting down. They're not moving. They're depressed. They're eating fast food 24 seven. That person's not well. Now from the outside, both of these people might look the same. 
They might have the same weight. They may look, their clothes may look the fit the same. You, only you as a person know if you're well. Okay. Only you know if you're well. When I make decisions to outsource and to relieve a lot of my responsibilities, I know I'm doing, I'm well. Now, are all my responsibilities gone? No, but I've spent time alone and made a conscious effort that I'm going to get rid of these things and I'm going to start doing these things. And so I feel automatically well mentally. So wellness is very individualistic. For some people, it means going on a walk every day for their physical health. For some people, it means running. It's so individual. So there's not like a one shoe fits all, but you mentally know when you're well and when you're not. And you won't know that unless you take time for yourself to take your own pulse. The other thing I want to hit on, and this is so important, and I wish I could beat this into every woman I know. (laughs) It's that self-care isn't selfish, okay? And I'm going to say this, and it's going to like be really controversial, but... During the busiest time of your life is when you need the most self-care. Everybody, I hear all the time women say, well, I just can't spend 30 minutes alone by myself because I work and I'm never with my kids already. So when I'm not working, I have to be with my kids 24-7. Well, let me tell you something. If you're in a partnership and you're married and you're with your kids 24-7 when you're not working, your marriage isn't great. I'm just going to call it out. Your marriage isn't great. If you don't leave your kids to spend time with your spouse, you won't have a great marriage. So, and in order to be a good parent, if you're in a marriage, you got to have a good marriage, right? Like that's like the single most important thing you can do and give your kids is that example of what a good marriage is. So you have to leave your kids to be well. And in the middle of your life, that's when you're the most stressed because you have so much, you have little kids, you have a job, you're raising families and you're, and I hear this all the time from women. I'm burned out. I'm burned out. I need your help. But I say, okay, great. I want you to take two hours this week. Oh, I can't do that. I have little kids. Well, then be burned out. You're going to be burned out because if you don't make time for yourself, if you don't believe that actually stepping away from your family and spending time alone with yourself is healthy, you will not be well. You just won't. And so I try and try to encourage women all the time to, you know, withdraw from their kids and spend 30 minutes alone. And that's like me asking that they think they're turning their back on their children. But here's the really important thing. We learn self-care as women by our maternal example. So whoever that was, your mother, your grandmother, whoever raised you, your older sister, your aunt, whoever raised you as a mom, your mother, your maternal figure taught you self-care. So if you are never taking time for yourself and you have kids, they're modeling how they're going to take care of themselves after you. And if they don't, if they see that you're never withdrawing and taking time alone or taking a walk or working on yourself or reading a book or unplugging or having quiet time, they're not going to do that for themselves. They're going to be on the rat race that you're on and feeling as miserable as you do. So you make a choice. You make a choice. And, you know, I have four kids. I love my kids. I want to be with my kids all the time. But I also know for me to be the best mom, I have to withdraw from them. I have to, and they see me doing that. And I think that's good because I want them to do that as adults. So this is part of self-care is spending time alone. And if you think there's a magic fairy 
that's going to come in at the end of your day when all your work is done and give you 30 minutes alone. That's false. (laughs) Because if your house is like my house, you know, that's your escape. Well, there's always work to be done in the house. There's always something messy. There's always something that needs attention. So you have to create time for yourself in the midst of the busiest times, in the midst of crazy schedules, in the midst of stress and work to be done. You have to be able to be comfortable letting that those, those dishes pile up or letting the papers not get through that day or letting the emails go unanswered in order to care for yourself. It, once you start to spend time alone, you realize, oh my gosh, this is so important. For example, um, every time I do the masterclass, it's 12 weeks, right? By the end of the 12 weeks, 90% of the women that take my class have a routine of self-care. And they're like, how did we not do this before? (laughs) Like they completely switch. They're so, because they're so love the the routine of self-care. They love it. I've given them, I give them a curriculum and permission and they go with it. And they're like, oh, now my self-care, I protect it. I like protect it like it's a tiny little baby. Like don't come and touch the baby. (laughs) So it's really a habit and it has to be intentional. And if you don't make time for it, the time will never be there because there's always work to be done. You will never finish your work. I know that's a crazy thought, but it's true. You will just never finish your work ever. There will always be work to be done. So you have to create time that's intentional for yourself and self-care during those really stressed out periods. Okay. And the last thing I want to talk about is boundaries because boundaries are life and boundaries are not to keep people out. Boundaries are to keep people to establish good relationships with others. I think there's this whole kind of concept of like, I'm setting a boundary and I'm going to keep people out and people aren't going to like me or people aren't going to know because I'm so accessible. I'm so used to being reached. I'm so responsive to everyone's needs. And if I set these boundaries, man, people are going to be angry. Well, some people are going to get angry because those are the people that have been taking advantage of you and draining you. And that's really true. I mean, I have a very large online community and there are a lot of women who expect me to respond to a question within 24 hours. And for years I did that and then I burned myself out and now I just don't respond for maybe a week or two until I have time because the truth is it burns me out and I have had to set a boundary. And sometimes people get really angry at me and they're like, "I've, I've asked you this question for a week and you're not responding. But most of the time people understand. And do you really want the people that take advantage of you in your life anyway? Do you want them to have direct access to you 24 seven? No. So it's okay if some people get angry because maybe those are people that you really shouldn't have access that shouldn't have access to you in your life anyway. Right? Those are the people that are going to drain you. So boundaries and how you set boundaries is a whole process. And I teach this in the masterclass, um, because it's all about having crucial conversations. First, you have to figure out what boundaries you lack. Then you have to figure out what those boundaries are. And then you have to implement the boundaries and implementing the boundaries means having conversations with people closest to you. So, you know, I've said this a million times on the podcast, but I have an area of my bedroom that if I'm sitting in this area, everybody knows, do not approach. (laughs) 
<laughs> like I'm mom's in her timeout. Don't talk to her. And it's a boundary. And I've had to teach my kids this. I mean, I have four kids like the kids can learn boundaries. Anybody can learn boundaries. You just have to teach them. And it's a little uncomfortable at first when you're having these conversations with people. So for example, you know, I used to have no email boundaries and I used to answer emails 24 seven. And then I stopped doing that. And people were like, you know, I sent you an email. I haven't got a response. I sent it like yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I answer emails two days a week. And they're like, what? I had to teach people my new boundaries. So you have to kind of understand that if you've never been a boundary person, when you start to set boundaries, it's going to feel cruddy and you're going to get some backlash. But you know what? Here's the thing. Your well-being is more important than anyone's perception of you. Your well-being is more important than anyone's perception of you. And, you know, you really have to make a decision in life, whether you're going to be liked or you're going to be well. And especially as a woman, because if you, your whole goal in life as a woman is to be liked, uh, you're on the path to burnout and it's a quick path. You're going to get there fast because everybody likes a woman who says yes to everything and volunteers for everything and does everything and shows up and is accessible 24 seven. Everybody loves that woman, but that woman is burned out. And I know cause that woman has been me and it feeds your ego to be everyone's likable person, the person everyone likes. It feeds your ego, but that's a dangerous place to be, to be in a place where you feel loved and liked and everybody loves you and and everything's great because you're answering everyone's needs. It is a very dangerous place to be. And if you don't understand that, you will constantly strive to be liked. And being liked means saying yes to everyone. And that means saying no to you and your health. So you have to understand that your well-being is much more important than anyone's perception of you or anyone's like or anyone liking you. And until you understand that, you won't want to be well and you won't understand what you have to do to be well, which is to have crucial crucial conversations and set boundaries around your life. So if you want to learn more about this, I want to encourage you to join the table because we are we get into this. We talk about self-advocacy and how to set boundaries and confidence and how to speak up for ourselves. And I want to encourage you to go to becomebraveenough.com backslash the table and join. It's free for the first two weeks. You can come in and check it out. If you don't like it, great. If it's not for you, no problem. But if you want to stay, you're more than welcome to. And I just think this is so important that we as women model this for other women, that we model how to say no, how to set boundaries, how to take care of ourselves, how to take our our own pulse, especially if we are mothers, because our kids are watching us. They're modeling their behavior, their own self-care behavior after ours. And self-care is not watching Netflix and drinking wine every night. That's numbing. So I want to encourage you, if you're struggling, don't struggle alone. Come to the table. Become braveenough.com backslash the table. I am here for you. And as always, live brave. This has been an HSG production.